you, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Hey, everybody. Hey, y'all. All right. All that sounded real fake. That's okay. Let's it's not, that. though. Yeah. It's not. It's real. Well, it's exciting. It is. Because today is season two. We are there. Yeah. I wanted to start off with something that I was hoping, um, okay, I'm going to say today, I'd like for us to carry this through a good portion of the season, mm-hmm. because I think it sounded like a fun thing to do, unless you hate it, and then oh, we'll drop no. it. Okay. Okay. But I found something, oh, I didn't find it, but I heard about something called the Proust Questionnaire. Are you familiar with this? I was not. Only that you've told me we're going to be doing it today. Why are you telling the secret? <laughs> but I haven't looked into I So what I, I told Selena beforehand is that I have not looked into it at all. So I am only familiar with it because you've mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. I still do not know what it's about. Yeah. Okay. So. That part's true. Its origins are that it is like a parlor game um, that was popularized by Proust. Okay. He didn't like invent it. Um, so if you guys don't know, he's a French essayist and novelist, um, and he apparently liked to have really deep party games because basically what they would do is they would sort of like go around and ask these questions, they'd answer the questions and like by answering them, they sort of reveal their true nature. Oh my. So are you ready to reveal? I'm not sure I want to reveal my true nature on air. Your true nature. (laughs) Oh God. Uh, A terrible start to season two. Or a perfect star. Also, if people listening, like, you can play along, which could be fun or horrible for you, so. Um, when we find out I'm a masked serial killer or something. Good. <laughs> so glad you're in my home. Um, so, starting with question one, I'm going to go, one of the questions is like, doesn't sound like a positive note to start off. So I'm going to start with the question that feels like it could glean more negative answers. And then we're going to go to the happier oh, question. Okay. 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 So what is your greatest fear? My greatest fear these days. This is like deep and this it's heavy. Well, while you're thinking. Oh, I have an answer. Oh, I'm trying to word it in a. This is why I started this way. Okay. Because I was like, we cannot like hop into the podcast (laughs) after this question. This feels awful to put out in the universe. It's Mm -hmm. it's watching something really horrible happen to one of my children and having to watch it and not being able to do anything about it. Oh yeah. So I'm just gonna go out on a limb and guess that's like probably a lot of parents' worst. Probably. And I had a dream. That I still can remember. This was like six months ago. I had this dream and I remember it like plainly uh, where something happened to my daughter and I just woke up in like a complete sweat and it was something I couldn't prevent. There was nothing I could do about it. And that is the most powerless, horrible feeling ever. So worst fear right in there. That's it. Okay. So glad I could do that for you. <laughs> I know. Well, now um, I'm triggered. Well, I would, so mine will be really revealing because it's the opposite of someone who doesn't have children. Mine is to die alone. So. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to hang out with us? Oh my so gosh. So I realized though it used to be being buried alive, but I, it slowly dawned on me over time that in addition to that sounding like a terrible time, yeah. that like at the end of the day, you're in a box by yourself. That's so, true. Good point. Yeah. So that's really what's at the base of that. It so. used to be for me a, a slow death. A slow death where you have to experience mm. every bit of it. So like I a, suddenly went medieval, but I know what you meant. Like a drowning or like a suffocation. A quartering. That, oh, good God. 
<laughs> I don't like the start to season two. Let's move on. Next question. Okay. So the next question is, this gets better. It gets better. Okay. okay. What is your idea? And what is y'all's idea? Tell us. Of the perfect happiness. Oh, perfect happiness. I literally told Kyle this last weekend, I was in my perfectly happy moment. It just like, if I ever dream about my perfectly happy moment, it's like when my kids are occupied and like happy with one another and playing, we are sitting somewhere in our community, somewhere communal in our community, but obviously not like talking to people or interacting with people because of COVID, but like somewhere outdoors, the weather is lovely. It's like that that thing I saw the other day that was like, um, this is fake fall in the South. We get mm-hmm. fake fall. Mm-hmm. Then we get like that horrible summer. Um, that no, second on summer. Our social media. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in fake fall right now. So it's beautiful mm-hmm. weather um, and just enjoying ourselves. And mm-hmm. that is my like perfect. Mm-hmm. My absolute perfect. That sounds nice. Is that the answer to the question? I mean, I don't think there's any right or wrong answers. There can Wouldn't be. that be terrible? There's always a right or wrong. wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, you know, so I, I, this is the kind of question that's a little um, difficult for me to answer. And it's going to be kind of funny, I think, because it's like twofold, I guess. Part of me would be like anytime that I'm traveling, mm. that is like not actually like traveling, <laughs> but wherever my destination is. Mm. And I'm just, it's just this thing where I'm telling myself in my mind, like, you may never be here again. So drink in this moment, like everything that you're seeing. Um, but as much as I do, I like to do that with the big things. I also really like to do that with the little things. Mm-hmm. So like sitting outside and drinking a cup of coffee or sitting inside on my couch and drinking a cup <laughs> of coffee or She's coffee, coffee, coffee will often be fe- featured. It's also my travel happiness, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just those moments where you just like are enough, like here and in the moment that you are are telling yourself, be here and be in this moment, be present. Mm-hmm. And anytime that like, I feel like I um, am letting all the other things melt away mm-hmm. and being a human being and not a human doing, mm. which so oh, often okay. I know I fall Mind into blown. that trap. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that is perfect happiness oh. and podcasting. Huh. This was a nice transition from worst That year. was better than death, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there you go. I like that. Two questions in the book. Okay. Are you learning more about me? Is there an answer at the end? Are you no. going to tell me? Oh, I thought oh. I was getting a score or something. There's no, there's no means to an end. Oh, well, I'm not going to work so hard then. Oh, yeah. Don't work hard. Is that it? That's it. Oh, there was just two questions. I'm going to ask a couple every oh, podcast. Oh, okay. Got it. We're on the same page now. Understood. It's <laughs> when she looks to me because we're about to jump into season two of Designing Women. Um, so for season two, Selena and I uh, have done a lot of talking about what did and did not work this season, what we liked, what we want to do differently. So we'll start before we even get into our episode description. We'll start by talking a little bit about how we're going to do um, some episodes differently this season. Um, so we're going to take a slightly different approach to each episode. Last season, we found ourselves, I think, in this kind of, um, blow by blow or play by play of each episode. And it was very stressful to both of us. And we heard from some listeners that maybe it wasn't the most compelling content to hear us rebuild an entire Designing Women episode moment by moment. Mm -hmm. It was very stressful to me. Mm -hmm. Selena has an excellent memory and I have a terrible memory. And so I always felt like I was going to forget a detail that was very important. And it never really is. 
because it's a sitcom. <laughs> and it's, it's okay. It's not a life or death situation. So when we did the Pretty Woman episode, we did sort of like a big picture. Um, we didn't do a recap necessarily, but we did big picture. Like, what'd you like about the movie? What'd you not like? What really stuck out to you? Should we talk about big themes? We're going to try that this season for the Designing Women episodes. We definitely want to get into the details of Designing Women. We definitely want to talk about certain things in each episode that stick out to us. But that actually gives us more time to do that when we're not so focused on, wait, did Anthony say that before or after Suzanne walked out of the room or whatever the situation is? Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's how we're going to do it this season. So there you go. sound right? Anything you want to add? I don't, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Okay. Then as always, we're still going to do extra sugar because that has incidentally become one of our favorite parts of the show to put together because it allows us to do rabbit holes in a structured way and go into our Google, Google holes, <laughs> not the right word. You did it. Into our Google search bar and explore things we didn't know. So we'll still be doing that, but that's, that's the biggest change this season. So Instead of belaboring that, we'll jump right in. We are not changing this part where we're going to do the episode descriptions. So this week we have um, Hulu and IMDb. So Hulu says for season two, episode one, which is called 101 Ways to Decorate a Gas Station, Sugar Bakers faces a severe test of their creative ability when the winner, not winter, winner of their contest demands that they refurbish his rundown dilapidated gas station. IMDb is, to promote their business, the ladies raffle off a free room redesign. The winner of the drawing is a shiftless, it's a tough word to say, shiftless bum named Eldon Ashcroft IV, who keeps changing his mind constantly. And it aired September 14th, 1987. Selena, you, the ever judgy one of these episode descriptions, (laughs) do they pass muster with you? Yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't really uh, think that, well, first of all, I felt like they were really mean to Eldon. I didn't appreciate that. I thought oh. it was like a little rude. They're like, this piece of crap <laughs> came into their nice, clean design firm and he took a poop in the middle of the room. Like, that's what it read like to me. And I was like, whoa, I think you guys are being like a little harsh. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I won't always do this, but I did actually throw one together in this oh, case. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort Hulu, of... Hulu, IMDb, listen up. You've got your next episode description writer sitting right here. I'm right here. <laughs> uh, and I like some of it. Like, some of it was absolutely <laughs> correct. So, anyways. You sound like you're about to offer, like, feedback to someone. Like, it's not all wrong. I liked pieces of it. Like, you used the word the a couple of times. That was excellent. I took full chunks <laughs> how'd that feel for you uh okay so to promote their business which is still facing struggles the ladies raffle off a free room redesign their patience is tested when the unexpected winner turns out to be more than they bargain for but is it possible everyone learns a lesson by the end <laughs> so what do you think yours added beyond the other two don't question me oh, perfect so we're done <laughs> that was selena's description it, Moving on. It still leaves a little intrigue, but it doesn't poo-poo on Eldon, who we don't know. It doesn't make him sound like you shouldn't call anyone a shiftless bum. Like, I feel like that's the lesson here. But it also brings in the idea that, like, there's a reason they're doing this raffle. It's like, start to laugh. It's not just like they're like, oh, we'll do a raffle. It's because the business is struggling. I'm going to start calling my husband a shiftless bum. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I think sometimes for husbands that applies. Perfect. Okay. okay. So my husband description is <laughs> right. a shiftless bum who right. lives in my house. <laughs> uh, okay. Moving right along. Thank you, Selena. So the episode was written by LBT, while the episode description should have been written by SS, Selena Smith. <laughs> um, it was directed by Harry Thomason. And so in Extra Sugar this week, Selena's going to cover a little bit about 1987. So we'll learn more kind of contextually about this year. It's a beautiful year. So our first kind of bucket of things to talk about is general reactions and stray observations to this episode. I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say that you have a soft spot for Eldon Ashcroft, the fourth. I, well, I don't, I don't even know that's true. I just feel huh. like... Uh, and I, I just feel like it's not really, um, I feel like there was a lot of strong feelings around this poor guy and maybe it's the way the episode, you know, ends up that we learn that he's a little deeper than they make him appear in the beginning, maybe. Um, but I, I just felt like between the description and how they like didn't want to touch him because they were like, Ooh, he's dirty. Mm. It just all felt really rude, and I didn't really enjoy that. Mm. So. There was a lot of rudeness in this episode. Yes. But it, was, it made for good humor. Because one of my general reaction stray observations is that Mary Jo was hysterical in this episode. Oh, okay. I have not laughed at her as much ever, uh, but especially in this episode. Um, the whole like mole situation at his at the gas station at his house mm. um, where Charlene is putting the pieces together that like he has a mole and <laughs> Mary Jo says, I'm so sorry. She had a very bad experience with a mole as a child. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then she says later, and this might not have hit you as funny because it was not nice to Mr. EA, but she said, he said, good night, sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. And she said... Uh, yes, and may you also be so fortunate. No, it made me laugh. <laughs> oh, she was so funny. She was just so funny. Yeah. No. Did any of the characters stick out to you in this episode other than Eldon? Uh, I, um, not, I mean, I don't know that anybody really stuck out for me. So, um, yeah. I had a note that um, Anthony's family is from Alabama. I don't think we've learned that. No, I think I think we're we're maybe we'll finally start to get some bio on him. Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe a lot of that's because we didn't know if he was going to stick around. Right. I mean, not we. <laughs> <laughs> we knew he was going to be there. But like, I guess like they maybe they did some of that between season one and two when they were like, oh well, you know, it's not just going to be five episodes. He's right. going to be like a series regular now. Um, so one thing that really struck me, too, on this episode, I guess if, if we're going to talk about a specific character, is uh, Charlene, mm -hmm. who we see again has a big trust and appreciation for psychics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We hear about her psychic a lot. That needs to... That needs to go on the old bingo card. Yeah. Put that one right on there. I, the last time was in season one. She went to go see... I, think, I guess she sees the same psychic every time. It was about meeting a husband. This time it's about meeting a husband again. There's a theme to their conversations. There is. I'm also like, I'm a little surprised that they don't poke more fun at her, but... At the psychic or at Charlene? Yep. Ah, okay. <laughs> the combo of the two, because it feels like everybody else who works there probably would think that's a bunch of hooey. 
Mm-mm. And so I'm surprised they just maybe it's just because it's Charlene and they're just like just just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> just just, just let do her whatever. have it. Yeah. Um, On that note about Charlene, by the same token, her trust in people, the way Eldon ends up as part of this drawing or this raffle is that Charlene is dropping off Sugar Baker's business cards at liquor stores and dry cleaners. Yeah, it's her fault. (laughs) It's her fault. Is it her fault or her destiny? Her destiny. That's really (laughs) funny. Were you caught off guard by the fact that uh, he wound up being the person that the psychic told her about? I don't know how that one got me, but it did. What do you mean? I didn't expect her... I didn't expect them to write into the story that Eldon was going to be the guy with the mole and the... Oh, really? And the initials EA. Oh, okay. I didn't know that that was going to be, like, the whole... A a better part of the episode is her trying to figure out whether or not this is her future husband, which obviously she's... For the reasons that the show Bill's not excited about that. Can I just back up to your episode description and say, I feel like that was a gaping hole in your episode description. And does Charlene meet her future husband? Only time will tell. Oh, yeah. It's like nobody (laughs) cared about it. But it's the whole thing the episode is like kind of built around, but it was just like pass. So I don't know. But I was was definitely thrown by that. Uh, But Eldon's not perfect, okay? (laughs) No. Let me be clear about He's that. He's not. As a client. Yeah. So I wrote down all of the things that happen leading up to when Julia goes off on him. Okay. Because I think that's really important. Because yeah. even the first time I watched this, I was like, man, she's being like real mean. Mm. But so they, after this raffle and he wins or whatever, like it's been two weeks that they've been working with him. And he's been through three wallpapers, two floor coverings, 11 sofas, four end tables, and 16 lamps. At some point, he requests a vibrating bed with a pay box, as we all do, and a revolving screen lamp with a camp scene. He also wants everything to be red, white, and blue to match the flag, and he wants a flagpole in the middle of the room. The wallpaper incident alone would be enough for me to want to hurt someone physically. He just wants what he's paying for. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, right. It's free. Mm. Yeah. He's got high standards. (laughs) You know? Right. Yeah. Did you have any other things that like really hit you about this one? I just, I thought uh, it's a goofy setup, but it made for some really funny interactions between the characters um and i think they had to play up eldon as obnoxious and dirty and all those things because he had to be the polar opposite of these kind of like middle to upper class women yes so on that note this is a good time probably to ask this is eldon a southern stereotype oh I did not not? take it that way. You did not. I didn't. No, I took him as a, an urban stereotype. Um, With the red, white, and blue flag that he wants. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. We are also looking through things through a 2021 lens. So that might be, that's true. That might be shading things. Well, I am going to tell you that I do think that it was Mm. like, and I'll tell you why, like not again, these are stereotypes. So I'm not saying this A doesn't exist in some form or fashion, but I think the flip side of that is 
for someone to look at or like see a depiction of someone in the South and be like, oh, all Southerners. That's where the problem comes in, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like, this is what I think someone who regularly hears jokes about the South and the TV, in the TV, okay, (laughs) on the TV, hasn't ever really visited in there, doesn't really leave Manhattan, whatever. Like, you know, this might be what they picture. Someone who doesn't have a lot of means, who doesn't seem educated, is seemingly ignorant about things, and doesn't seem to understand social cues. And see, I would think the same is true of a... I I said he seems like an urban stereotype to me because I would think that is what people think of a homeless person in downtown Atlanta, in downtown downtown Manhattan. I know he's not homeless, um, but I think that feels to me... It's in the same vein of what I think people would would assume about a person like that, whether they live in Atlanta or up north. Interesting. Okay. Well, see, look, you can go. I know, poor Eldon. Poor Eldon. He couldn't catch a break. I had a few stray observations on this one. Okay. I like the stray ones. Okay. Uh, We had a conversation. I don't want to take it down, but in the finale, we were like, are they ever going to mention what happened to Mary Jo? No. And I think we both were like, "No, no, they're not. And we learned today, they're definitely not. Okay. And again, we're talking about her near sexual assault with the really terrible client in the season finale. And so um, just want to like kind of wrap that up that we were right. Yeah. We get to be in the right column occasionally. Occasionally. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then also we said in the finale finale, like we were going to be on the lookout for Dixie Carter and whether or not she looked different because Mm -hmm. she reportedly had work done between, between seasons one and seasons two. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that she was very vocal about. I think that's really the only reason I'm willing to talk about this, right. to be honest, because I like to be very, that is, along with people's other rights to choose other things, it's also your right to choose whether or not to have work done. So I don't right. want to ever make anybody feel guilty about that. Um, did you notice anything different? I'm so not observant about things like that. And I, I was even on the lookout in season one to see like if mm. like what like she just never looked old to me like she just never looked like someone who needed to have work done we can all only dream of looking like julia sugar baker like when we're in like for her to be in her late 40s just still like a, she's a beautiful woman she's obviously more mature than the other cast mm-hmm. members but not in a like she looks like um Sophia, right. She she looks like Sophia from um, Golden Girls, but more in a just like she's just got that air about her. So she got swagger. She really does. So this is my long-winded way of saying, no, I didn't really notice it. Yeah. So I just wanted to check in on that because that was one thing that we wanted to be on the lookout for. I had a lot of clothes observations in this one. Oh, my. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Jump jump in. I'm going to start with the positives that there were... Like Suzanne. Oh, no. They're not all positive. They're not all positive. Hold on. Let me adjust in my seat so I can hear more. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You good? I'm good. Okay. Um, So Suzanne at the beginning is just wearing a really beautiful green color. Mm -hmm. I feel like I... Do you actually remember this? I do. Okay. Um, I think it was like more of like an emerald green. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because then as a sister, um, (laughs) like... Uh, Julia was also rocking some green in the episode. It was actually, she was wearing like a really beautiful green skirt, like right when she was 
ripping Eldon a new one. <laughs> it's that scene, guys, if you want to go take a look. And I just feel like it's hard sometimes to look at 80s fashion and be like, gorgeous, it's gorgeous. So, like, when I see them, like, the ones that look, like, really nice and they're not, like, overly, like, 80s-ish, I want to call it out. The jewel tones always draw me in, like I an emerald color or even, like, the fuchsia, but it's, like, that really beautiful, almost, like, garnet color. It's mm -hmm. less, more red, less fuchsia, but not super red. I think the jewel tones were really the jewel of 80s fashion. It's too loud. Like, I wouldn't, I don't usually find myself in jewel tones now, but they can really pull it off. Well, it's also interesting, too. I'm just, quick, quick side comment here, like, this idea, a lot of times when there's like these 80s parties and these 90s parties, everybody's just like trying to look like crap, kind of. So they oh, put together yeah. like all the worst, most hideous things. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, yes, like it captures almost like these more stereotypical things, but not like this like daily business wear and mm -hmm. things like that that people are wearing. So it does feel like very different. It's not like any of these women are coming in in like neon oversized sweaters and tights right. and leg warmers. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to say real quickly is that we're getting some repeats on outfits. Oh. So first of all. Not observant. In the raffle scene, Charlene is wearing a purple dress that she wore in the Mona Monica episode <laughs> where her high school friend comes back. How I do you remember this? Because I can't forget those puff sleeves. No. It looked like, because I remember thinking that the dress reminded me of uh, the Wicked Queen in Snow White. Mm. And then there she is again in these puffed purple sleeves. It's just like a really standout Fascinating. dress. Okay, so well, this is, you're going to love all this then. Because I also saw Suzanne is in a rerun. No. Um, Refuse to believe it. It doesn't even match her character. No. But, it, but she is in... In the very last scene where they take a, I'll take a picture together, and she's still acting like a butthead. She's like moving away. She's like, don't touch me. Anyways, she's in the peach dress that she wears in the beauty contest, which is the pageant episode. Oh, man. They were not expecting us to watch these two seasons back to back on repeat, were they? They just didn't even know what they had coming down the path. <laughs> they thought they were going to get away with it. But they're not. I am on the case. Thank goodness. Anyways, so one other thing that we were on the lookout for was Mary Jo was finally supposed to get a wardrobe upgrade. Right. So earlier when you were talking about Mary Jo like being your standout character, I think you heard me go when you were asking questions because all I could think about was her terrible kimono outfit in this one. Oh, no. I don't even remember that. Are you serious? Yeah. This is why I should always have the show pulled up when we're doing this. Anyways, I'll show you. I was just like, it was swallowing her whole, her 100-pound mm. body. Aww. And she just... She's so petite. Yeah, I know. She's so petite. She's beautiful. See, Justice for Annie Potts. See, and I was focused on her personality, her glimmering, gleaming personality, and all you could think about was appearance, Selena. I, I'm so surface. <laughs> uh, do you have any stray observations or anything in that, that hit you there? I just have to ask the question. Okay. We have to talk about the cheek sneak when they were trying to find the mole yeah. on Eldon's cheek. Sure. Do... We need to be clear about which cheek it do is. Do you have someone in your life that would ask you to do that and you would say yes? Because I have to tell you. <sighs> that's a lot of different things going on there. I did not think Julia was going to be Charlene's cheek sneak partner. 
I would have thought Mary Jo. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But is it possible? So you're at, that's like three different things. So I'm not, let me start, let me start, and then I'm going to go backwards to your question. Okay. So you're confused that it was Julia. I agree. I don't think that Julia would normally be willing to pull down a man's pants while he's passed out on her couch. Mm-mm. It looks like she's about to have her own Me Too moment. I'm telling you what. Uh, and Which was delightful. It really and was. <laughs> the way she was straddling him was so funny. It was everything. But um, wouldn't Julia finally give in just to have somebody shut up? That's true. That's the only way I can make it make sense. But that doesn't answer your question. But I do. I have to stop in the interest yeah. of not being hypocritical. Yeah. You're super, pulling down someone's pants Super right boundary now. pushing. Super boundary pushing. She should not have done that. It made for a lot of humor because I, I don't know why. It, 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 I don't know why it's funny that she was doing that, but that man tried to. It, it wasn't. It, she was trying to prove a point, I think. And it was surface. She just needed one quick sneak. Yeah. She wasn't trying to take advantage of him. Oh, do you feel like we need to say that in case people think that... It feels hypocritical to be like, it was so hilarious. She was disrobing this man on her couch. And then to be like... It's it's fair. It's the same reason that I'm struggling with this idea of the way that they were treating him. Like he like was subhuman at some points of the show. Like without like being like, let's take a minute, get real serious about this sitcom. You know, but like I do, I do see that. And I see what you're saying too. Honestly, you should probably never be pulling down anyone's pants. That's that's the lesson here, guys. But it's always the lesson. We'll suspend reality for a second because it was really hilarious to watch Julia straddle him on the couch and not in like a, it wasn't sexual. Watch the episode. It's not sexual. Not it's at all. She's like, wearing oven mitts. It's all business. It's all business. Yeah. She, she's got an investigation to, to complete. Well, and it's not it's not sexual at all because the whole purpose is she's trying to find out if he has a mole on his butt that would ultimately make him uh, Charlene's future husband. And Charlene is having like a meltdown about it and won't mm-hmm. shut up. So then Julia jumps in to control the situation. Down. I see. Okay. Right. That's what that's what I think is that's what I think is going on. But you asked the question: Would I do that for someone? I think I know the answer, but I have to ask the question. Is your answer that you think it's yes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I think you have a list of like twelve people you would do it for, or I've already done it for. <laughs> <laughs> so I just feel like I don't like now. Would that happen? Would that, I don't know. I can tell you, I've been to a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Well, I'm just saying, like, what behaviors match up? <laughs> um, I kind of put it in the category of, like, I have a friend with whom we have an agreement that if anything were to happen to her, my number one goal is to get to her phone first. So that, similar to the off-air conversation oh. we were just having, embarrassing text messages and Google search histories do not make their way out into the world. Oh, so yeah. the question is, like... Not with Kyle. D- no. Well, I'm no. Uh-uh. Although maybe I should. Re- maybe that should be part of our will. I don't know. This is a friend of oh, mine. Oh yeah. Um, he's sort of on his own. I don't know. He's never asked me. You're on your own, buddy. Right. Sorry, uh, Kyle. So it's that question of like, this is that like best friend in the world. Like, would you do something like this? And I think for that same oh, friend, just putting it that way. For that same friend, I do think I would be willing to help. Whatever they need. Whatever it took. Yeah. So that was my last, that was my last stray observation. That just, I was sitting there. That was the thing I was fixated on was this crazy thing. And these two characters doing this crazy thing together. It is not the two characters I would have put to do it. And then it led me down to 
down the thought process. Fair enough. Maybe Mary Jo couldn't move around in her kimono. <laughs> full circle. It's full circle. Okay, so we have like a fair amount of general reactions. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one of us had a lot of stray observation. It's not important <laughs> who. It's not important. They know who. <laughs> they know. But now, like, let's talk about, like, the things that we really, really liked about the episode. So okay. start us off, Nikki. What did you really like about season two, episode one? I am feeling a little self-conscious about my main sort of what I really liked, given the fact that you feel like they mistreated Eldon very badly, because I really liked the storyline. I thought it was silly. I thought it was really far-fetched. Um, but I just thought it made for some really clever lines and some really quick comedy. And I just thought it was funny. I don't think we're miles apart on this. Okay. I It's the very first thing I said is I liked, I thought the general setup of the episode is interesting, realistic, and I like that it builds on season one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think... Like, in the sense that the, this storyline exists because Sugar Bakers is in financial trouble. Absolutely. Okay. And and I think, I, I, I don't like that they're struggling, but I like that they're not like, you know what, let's open a business. And then it's like super successful. Right. It's like, it would be the equivalent of the friend's apartment. Right. You know, like, oh, okay, sure, you're 22 and you have like a $10,000 a month apartment or right. however much it would be. Uh, so I thought that was good. Actually, I don't know if you felt this way, but I just like the raffle idea. Oh, yeah. I thought that was so good. Yeah. And it gets even better when you start putting your business card in liquor stores and you just open up your potential clientele. Every time. I mean, I don't think the dry cleaner was the problem. <laughs> so that made me laugh. She's like, liquor stores and dry cleaners? Not the dry cleaner. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, one of those. I could see how it was a little dicey, but, you know, she's like, and elementary schools. So I don't know. But um, I also just love a good before after. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and by before, after, guys, I mean, like, before, look at this place, and then after, look at this place. Like, right. that kind of before, after. Uh, Storyline that brings different people from different walks of life together. That's what you were talking about at the top. Mm-hmm. Love it. So that was my my only other thing to say that I really, really loved was the overall concept of everybody's worth knowing. And we've talked before about how Julia can be... She's supposed to be open-minded and liberal, but in practice, she can be really closed-minded and very classist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she is hypocritical in the way that she judges Suzanne for some of the way that she approaches like money and class. But they're like the same. Julia's not that far off. So no. um, I liked how we got to see both sides of that coin, and it circles around to this nice concept of everybody's worth knowing, and you bring this level of person together with this level of person, and they realize they're not that far apart. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. So I, I loved all of that. The merging together of hearts and minds. I loved it. (laughs) So wonderful. Uh, I don't know why. So you, you had a couple of lines that for Mary Jo that really made you laugh after their initial consultation, Eldon comes back into the gas station slash house slash area and not to retrieve his cigarettes, but his cigarette butts. (laughs) And it shouldn't have made me laugh the way that it did, but it just really cracked me up, which I, I can't even explain it, but it really got me. We've already talked about the mole scene, but that was a highlight for me. 
Oh, that was so funny. And when Anthony comes in and Julia says, Anthony, it, he's like, what is happening? And she's like, Anthony, it would take far too long to explain. But basically, we've ruined the business and taken up with this person since you've been gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I thought that this part had, like, it was absurd and it was ridiculous. And we've already talked about that, except, like, we both admitted we would also like do the same thing so <laughs> maybe it's not that ridiculous but it had the crispest funniest lines Absolutely. i thought of the entire episode um and it's the first time we've seen anthony since grand slam thank you ma'am good grief the baseball really? episode for those. oh that didn't strike me yeah because he wasn't in the finale oh right oh yeah um this idea of everyone's worth knowing. Yeah. So this lesson is sort of weaved throughout the episode. And um, I, I just, I like that the lesson learned came from Eldon specifically. Yeah. Because they were treating him as less than. Right. Um, and my one critique would be, <laughs> my one critique, shut up, Selena. Um, one critique would be, <laughs> That I wish that they would have really just have let him be someone who reads O. Henry versus having turned that into a joke. Being surprised that he reads O. Henry. Well, he was like, oh, I just picked it up in a Trails magazine. Right. But, like, I wanted him to, like, have, like, right. a nice collection of books or I see what you mean. Like, I thought, like, I don't, I didn't feel like they needed to make it into a joke, but it's fine that they did. Right. It's fine. Um, uh, and I like that. I liked how the whole episode ended, honestly. Like, it's, it's it was a little hokey but mm-hmm. i liked it i mean they all come together they decorated his place and i actually really like that gas pump that they turned into a fish tank oh i thought that was real cute because you know my one thing i didn't like the gas pump they turned into a fish tank no. <laughs> the final the design of eldon's place oh did you know in christmas vacation the neighbor's house oh yeah it's all like black lacquer and like red or maroon that's what rich meant then oh i know and i just it's not for me yeah it is very late 80s early 90s it just doesn't where everybody's like toilets black for no apparent reason we were, about? we were at a restaurant with a black toilet the other day, and it was very disarming. Did and you Land- leave immediately? Landon was like, Mommy, have you ever seen a black toilet before? A black potty? And I was like, yes, Landon. Yes, I have. And they're not my favorite. Um, I want to see what's going on when I'm in a public space, you know? <laughs> if you peed on the toilet, I need to know about it. No, we we stated it. This is my Charlene rabbit hole for this episode, apparently, because we stayed at an Airbnb one time that had a black bathtub. I can in a black shower, and I, I cannot my, tell you I how disarming. Just... It's disarming, right? And super uncomfortable. Yeah, did not like it. It just like I think again, they're going for this look of like luxury, and I get that, but at the same time, like I think then again is like you know it's like fashion sort of. Yeah, like, time moves on and things change and. And, and I think it's just the same way that we realize, like, no, you want those things to be lighter because it opens up the space. I just want to know it's clean. I also want to make sure that no one died in there. <laughs> I just want to know it's so clean. So if there are blood stains, <laughs> I need to know. But I'm sure there are people who liked it. That was, that was my... Um, I think we've talked a lot so far this episode about how the ladies treated Eldon, which was, I'm totally on board, was not always super fair and mm-hmm. not always super appropriate. That's the most Southern I've ever heard you be. Oh, really? Oh, girl, I had to jump in and say it. Yeah. I didn't even hear it. The way you just said fair. Oh, sorry. I wish we could play it back. No, I'm so excited. <laughs> We're turning her southern, guys. We're turning her southern. 
Uh, always been, accent. I was going to say, always been Southern. It's just the <laughs> accent. Um, so they weren't always super fair to him, and that I'm totally on board with. Um, but I thought that it made for really clever writing. Uh, but the only thing I didn't like was that design. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Is are we? You want to talk about the things we don't like? I'm there. Okay. So I guess that I've was already it. talked about mine. That was <laughs> that's it. it. That's it. That's that's strong. That speaks to the strength of this episode. I um I, I've already talked about mine. I just it was just watching them treat him roughly. So, Not fair. Yeah, and I mentioned too also like Suzanne acting weird in that picture. That's it. Otherwise, I thought that this was a good episode. It did take me twice to get it. I will tell you something that I think is changing in season two. What's that? Which I think is good news. So we talked a lot in the last season about like, you know, once you watch something six times, it's not as enjoyable anymore, you know? Yeah. The episodes we've watched so far, when I'm watching them again, I'm liking them more. Oh, good. So good. you go, LBT. Yeah. You go. Go. And then go over here. Come on our show. <laughs> so, Nikki. Uh-huh. Do you want to rate this sucker? I do. Oh, that felt good. I haven't said that in a long time. You haven't. It's been a while. Yeah. What's the rating scale? <laughs> oh, I wonder if ours are going to be similar. Sneaky cheek peeks. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Mine was butt cheek moles. <laughs> that's what I call a rousing good start for season two. <laughs> Well, tell us, Nikki, how many sneaky, peaky, cheekies do you have over there? <laughs> I'm giving it four sneaky cheek peaks. Wow. Uh, it's not quite a five, um, but I thought the writing was really clever. Mary Jo was so delightful. She was just so funny, I think, in a way we haven't seen her be funny. You know how I feel about Charlene. You know how I feel about Suzanne. And I feel like I'm coming around on Mary Jo because she got so many good lines in this one. Mm -hmm. Anthony was on screen for about two and a half minutes, if that, and stole the show. Every time. Every single part he was in, every line, every whatever, was hilarious. So... I thought it was, like you said, the word you used, it was an absurd storyline, but it set them up for such clever, crisp writing, and I absolutely loved it. Nice. All right. Well, I'm close. Okay. Mine's three and a half out of five butt cheek moles. Oh, we're, we're instituting the halves now, are we? I think I've gone halvesies before. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, so like I said, I liked it more on rewatch. Um you know, we haven't gotten into this O. Henry reference yet that mm -hmm. we get. We, we're going to, um, just so you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, all that brought in that we'll talk about here momentarily, that all made me like it even more. Oh. Like me going to research some stuff. Oh, okay. I'm not like, and sometimes I'm home, I just like to quote O. Henry. <laughs> I'm just really not that well read. And I'm a lip miner. Ha! <laughs> So, uh, um, I like it when art takes on issues of class, status, and wealth. Mm -hmm. And I like it when our characters learn a lesson. Yeah. So, it was hitting all those marks for me. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Mold check. I, it was just funny. It was just good. Uh, my half, one and one half points off um, was because I thought the pacing was a little slower than it should have been. Oh. Maybe they were building that around the album. Like, that's the noise that I just hear around him every time he walked on scene. I see your face over there. <laughs> Not sure what's happening. Um, that, that's his theme music. Um, and I, I didn't love this one as a premiere. Mm. I, a premiere it did not make for me. But the, that's why I took that point and a half off. But otherwise, 
I thought it was a really, really solid episode. Oh, good. Now, do you remember what a combination of 80 Southern or un- <laughs> unknown references I do. was? Okay. Did I do. you have any? I have one. The Atlanta Journal. We have the same one. Oh, okay. Go do you, on. Are you, you, <laughs> Pointing at you. Uh, so I'm putting this one here mm-hmm. because obviously it's Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's now known as the Atlanta Journal-Constitution after the merger of two separate papers. I knew the papers merged mm-hmm. at some point, uh, but I had to look up when it happened because um, I had to know if it was like, like what was happening here. So the merge happened in 1982, but according to my research, the titles weren't actually combined into one paper until 2001. Mm-hmm. So the show is accurate. It would have been the Atlanta journal um, and then the other one was the Atlanta Com- Constitution. Yeah, I think only the weekend edition is like what went, like was the real true combination of mm, the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like really surprised that it was as late as 01. I didn't mm. think it had merged like more officially before then. And yeah. And the masthead and all of that. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's because I still haven't come to terms with being as old as I am. Correct. I think that's the biggest problem. So right I was to. like, well, 01 was like three days ago, right? Correct. And then I was like, oh, I'm old. Right. Right. Okay. Um, anything else on the AJC that you wanted to share? Nope. Okay. The only thing I'll say, I got two things. Uh, one is that it is the largest daily paper in the Southeast. So mm. go us. And then, um, Margaret Mitchell wrote for the Sunday paper. I did know that. Yeah. I found that in my research. Yeah. And yes. Margaret Mitchell wrote Gone with the Wind. Yes. I found that in my research too. I should be very clear that I did not just have that AJC uh, fact in my back pocket. Uh, that feels important. 80s things. What you got? I had Desi Arnaz Jr. was a reference early in the episode. Okay. Um, he was probably like 80s and earlier, but I'm putting him in the 80s bucket. Uh, reading the newspaper in line at the bank. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica Same. and the concept of like all the encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much wallpaper. Oh, good point. Like, wallpaper's coming around again. It is. But my Lord, they talked about wallpaper so much. Yeah. And the vibrating bed with a pay box. All right. Well, I think our lists are pretty similar there. Now, I did have reading your coworkers a news story from the physical paper. Mm-hmm. That felt pretty... 80s are dated, I think yeah. we decided, uh, for this one. I do have a question for you about Desi. No, I was afraid you are going to ask that. I have literally nothing written down about him. Oh, perfect. Um, then I'll ask anyway. Perfect. Why are you considering him an 80s reference? Um, because we don't have like 70s or 60s references or like references to Lucille Ball. Um, and he's not Southern. So that's the category he fit for me. Uh, junior. Mm-hmm. The son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um southern things well now i feel like i need to dig into your skepticism <laughs> of my lumping no no, no did you fine. put him somewhere else uh well i so we sort of broadened the category of references i had to look up or we need to talk about mm. and so i threw him there so <laughs> i threw him over there I'm over there so okay we both did the same thing we didn't know where to put him but that reference stood out to us we knew he needed to go somewhere we needed to talk about desi we need to talk about desi yeah <laughs> That's like the title of a movie, I think. Um, put that on the list of things for us to do. Um, so, Southern things. Uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, yeah. which is where Charlene Psychic is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valdosta, mm-hmm. which is the city in South Georgia. The quote, two winners got down on the floor and just beat the tar out of each other. 
Don't get more Southern than that. <laughs> and then Outhouse. Um, oh, and I have something here. So this is not exclusively Southern. They've been used for centuries and they've been used in other countries. But for some reason, I think talking about Southern stereotypes, mm -hmm. they tend to be associated with the South. So I'm putting it in here. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, um, an outhouse is a place where you go outside. It is literally a little tiny house outside. You go and do your business. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really only bringing it up to share with you that um, at Stone Mountain, which is a landmark here in the metro Atlanta area, Wikipedia says you can find an opulent 19th century antebellum example. It's called a, <laughs> it's called a three-holer. <laughs> Oh, no. And it's at the plantation area of the state park. I got so many dirty jokes running through my head right now. <laughs> I think you just broke my brain. I had my engagement pictures taken in the Stone Mountain the sort of area. <laughs> Sitting on it. Um, but I, I saw no three-holer. Huh. It's on my list of things. I've been to Stone Mountain a zillion times. I've never seen the three-holer. Well, whenever you're ready to take the show on the road. <laughs> Um, that's all I got, Selena. Okay. That, a, that's a good point about outhouses. Did your grandparents have an outhouse or did they have indoor plumbing? I think by the time I came along, uh, well, I mean like before you were born. Oh, my mom's side of the family. Yes. I believe when my mom was growing up, they used an outhouse. Okay. When your mom was growing up too. I believe that's true. Wow. Okay. My mom's parents were, um, they lived in a rural area and they were older when my mom was young, and okay. I think they just hadn't fully adopted indoor plumbing yet. Okay. I think that's accurate. My mom's not listening, so she can't correct me. So I'm going to I'm gonna lean in on it. Lean um, in. And then maybe one day, 10 years from now, when mom listens, she can correct me. Because I feel like my grandparents, like maybe one grandma always had indoor plumbing. They make fun of her. They're like, you're so rich. <laughs> um, and then the other three, do with that what you will. And then the other three all had outhouses when mm. they were when they were we oh not going well when they were going <laughs> we, we going we but also we. when they were you know we quite small yes quite small i am sure my other grandparents all had outhouses growing up because they all grew up in rural parts of south carolina the my mom's parents is the closest generationally to me and it's all about me this is another sidebar that i am terrified of porta potties terrified isn't it weird i mean i'll go i'll do it because it's either that or pee my pants although i'm often in a heavy debate with myself but i'm just so scared i'm gonna get locked in there oh, oh I that's put that your my, fear my proust <laughs> <laughs> but you're, what am i i'm alone you're afraid of getting locked in there with pee and poop see i'm afraid of just like everything is right under it's you right. yes it's just no just, good what if it gets dumped over i mean what if just, a snake comes up out of it what ugh, well there's a new one for me that's gonna scare the tar out of me <laughs> um <laughs> and it's extra funny because it's tar in a porta potty uh, <laughs> um <laughs> i'm like over here crying um okay so we mentioned another southern thing at the top but just to reiterate alabama again where anthony's family right. is from um, I also have Biloxi. Julia calls the kids in the parking lot she ran into Cretans. Oh. That felt pretty Southern. Really? Oh, what is that? An origin. <laughs> it sounds it sounds Greek to me. Maybe it's the way she said it. Uh, just a bunch of Cretans. That, you know. that was one of my favorite parts of the episode that I should have mentioned. Was when she did that whole, 
Oh, mama, got to get me some of that. Yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. It was good. Um, oh, I said, um, Eldon? I didn't know what I meant, but I just think it was a Southern <laughs> reference. <laughs> I had to look at, I was like, what am I talking about? Um, and then Hemden Hod. Mm. That feels Southern. And then somebody said at one point, Stark Raving Crazy. They were probably referring to Eldon. Oh, yeah. But that one stood out for me, too. All right, references we need to talk about. Desi was at the top of my list. Okay. I only want to mention that to say that, like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, you mentioned I Love Lucy, but so Desi Arnaz Jr. is Desi Arnaz Sr. I don't actually know he's a senior, but in his title, like in his actual name. But he's best known, in my mind, for playing Ricky Ricardo in I Love Lucy. But he was many things. Desi Arnaz Sr. is. Yes. yes. Um, musician, TV executive. You know, lots of lots of things, but um, he his son, so Junior, is also an actor and a musician. Mm. So, um, and in fact, you're not going to know this reference, but I'm going to say it for anybody who will care. <laughs> he was very briefly married to the woman who played Pam Beasley's mom on The Office. Mm. So, who dates Steve Carell for like a hot second, and oh. I was like. Two really, really funny episodes about it. We got to get you watching more of The Office. Yeah, I got to look up this woman because I probably know her. Um, I think you will. Um, okay, so uh, what else do you have in your references? Esso Station? Same. Second. Uh, okay. Second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Esso was a trading name for ExxonMobil. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a long explanation. <laughs> I will just say it sounds like the name, that name, Esso Station, wasn't really used after 1972. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not entirely sure there was ever even an Esso station in Georgia. They oh, were call. definitely in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so Esso was created after Standard Oil broke up. Um, and so after the Standard Oil breakup, Standard Oil or Esso ended up with gas rights in a number of states, but Georgia wasn't listed. So oh. I'm oh, not well, sure that call. part was accurate. Well, they're owned by ExxonMobil, mm. who I feel like probably more people are familiar with. And the only other thing I had written down is that the phonetic pronunciation of Standard Oil, S-O. Right. And then it's spelled E-S-S-O, which caught my... I was like, ah, okay. I like a nice... Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You were really in the history. And I'm like, oh, S-O. <laughs> right. Okay. What else you got? Uh, I think my next one is probably a big one on yours, was Mr. O'Henry and mm-hmm. the uh, 400. Okay. You want to do it? Take us into it. <laughs> uh, the 400 Million was a collection of short stories by O. Henry, who is an author. And it was actually in response to a newspaper, like opinion piece or commentary, uh, where the author said there were, quote, only 400 people in New York City who were really worth noticing. And then he goes into something about the census taker and like how annoying it is that now we've got this census where they're trying to count all people. There's really only 400 you should be worried about. Um so then uh, O. Henry ended up saying, making a case that every human being in New York is worthy of knowing. Uh, my fun fact about this one, to bring it back full circle Southern, is that O. Henry was born William Sidney Porter in North Carolina. Oh, look at you. Okay, well, we went at this from two different angles. Perfect. So it's great. We're going to fully round We've out We've got two sucker. different mics. Well, I'm. <laughs> that's the title of our next podcast. <laughs> Be watching out for us on two mics. Uh, it's a Wondery podcast. It's not. It's not, it's not guys. We're not Wondery. Wondery so. doesn't know about us. No, but they will. <laughs> Anyways, so the guy who wound up naming those 400 people, 
Um, this happens during the Gilded Age. Um, he was named Ward McAllister. He was a tastemaker of his day. Uh, and I've got another Southern connection for you in a second. But he was like the gatekeeper of New York City's creme de la creme. So that's why he winds up naming these 400 people. And one of the things that I read was that, like, he actually, he was just, the reason he winds up naming all of these people officially, because they, like, released a list of mm -hmm. these people's names, is because he was annoyed because they kept getting it wrong. Mm. You don't even have the right 400 people that only matter. And there's our Southern connection. He's Southern. It's oh, kind of funny. Okay. Yeah, you're like, why is this New York guy got this Southern accent? <laughs> so Ward McAllister is actually from Savannah. Oh. And so all these upper crust names wind up being published in the New York Times because of him. Everybody's pissed at him uh, because they didn't want their name published. Oh. People are so weird in the Gilded Age. <laughs> but anyways, so um, he gets a lot of backlash over it. And I'm just going to say again that we may have a lot of problems, but Americans are funny. <laughs> We're not always doing our best but we are funny so when all of this happens and um he like everybody like everybody's mad at him the papers start calling him instead of McAllister they start calling him the make a lister <laughs> perfect and that just really got me um but anyways so yeah I'm glad that you talked about um O. Henry and brought in that piece of the pie because I think that's really important and what we're trying to say guys if you take away two things from this don't pull down people's pants <laughs> and also all people are worth knowing thanks for tuning in no I'm just kidding <laughs> um we've added a new section mm -hmm. cut lines yep so, like, all last season, we had this whole thing where we realized Nikki astutely Googled, and, <laughs> I mean, you can say that, but I Googled for Designing Women scripts, too, and I couldn't find them. So, that just go, she, that's how she is good. I'm terrifying. And I just am here. Um, but, so, what we started doing was comparing scripts, and almost every episode, we're sitting here talking about lines that got mm. cut out, and so mm -hmm. we were like, let's start officially tracking them. So, mm -hmm. I just want to ask you... Um, I counted five places where lines were cut. Same. Okay. And was there anything that felt like, cause we don't want to go through all of them, but right. did anything, anything feel like a misstep to you? That they shouldn't have cut? Yeah. That, that like it made the show like less clear or something. They're not less clear necessarily. There was one at the very beginning, um, where Mary Jo and Suzanne are talking about psychics. Um, and the line ended with Suzanne saying something like, if I want something to happen, I just go out and make it happen. Uh, but there's more. After that, the cut line is, that's because you haven't seen the receipts this month. We're going to be lucky to break even. Mm -hmm. That was a really long-winded way of me saying mm -hmm. it added urgency to this situation they're in. So we're doing a podcast. <laughs> You guys, that's the definition of a podcast. The long-winded way of saying something. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so that was one uh, one part that I thought was a misstep. And then there was this newspaper thing that was floating in the background. Yeah. We talked about the Atlanta Journal. So Eldon has, uh, they've engaged the Atlanta Journal to tell his story. So that, not his story, to tell the story of the redesign of the gas station mm -hmm. because the women need some press. And um, at, at some point in all of the action... Um, when they, right before Julia, I think, um, after Julia goes off on Eldon, someone says, uh, 
I think I'm thinking Charlie and Julia, Eldon. No, please don't go off half cocked and talk to the newspapers. We can discuss this calmly. Um, then somebody says there's nothing to discuss. Then he says something about the cold day in May in the actual episode. The point is they leave off this part where they say, please don't go off half cocked and talk to the newspapers. And the idea is like, please don't go ruin this for us. It's this reminder that this is urgent for the women. This is a big thing for them. And as you and I both know, all press is not good press. And just being in the newspaper is not always a good thing. And it's obvious the women don't want to become a bad story Mm -hmm. because they need this financially. So those two points together, Mm -hmm. I feel like underscore the urgency of the business side of things. Okay. So I had that one as that last thing. Um, I like your perspective on that. I think it makes me less annoyed with our ladies. Oh. Because for me, when I read it, it was just my... Cutting that line is what... Where they're really saying, like, basically, this is about the publicity for us. And Mm. it is. It definitely is. But that, to me, coupled with the way they're treating Eldon, is just sort of underscores this idea that he's not a person. He's just a means to an end. Like, we're, we're just... We're trying to get him out of here and get a good news story out of it. And so, again, I don't think anything I'm saying is incorrect. It just makes them less palatable in this Mm. episode for me. It's tough because if I'm putting myself in their shoes, that's the way I would have approached it. This was supposed to be so in and out. It was supposed (laughs) to be easy. Like, who doesn't want their room redesigned by professional designers? Who is going to be... When you're getting something for free, don't ask for, you know, a hundred crazy things. And then there is that level of class that, you know, is to your point, not palatable, but I can sort of see where they would be like, oh my gosh, you're getting something for free. Come on, man. This was just supposed to be a nice story in a newspaper. That's Mm -hmm. it. Um, So. hmm. The only other thing I thought that would have like made it a little bit more clear is like, it also felt like um, they could have, they could have left in some lines that I think would have built up that frustration, you know? So they cut some of the lines that sort of up the ante on that side of thing things before Julia like goes off on him. Yep. And I think that makes Julia look worse than she actually is. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of unfortunate. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for me. Okay. Well, that wraps up season two, episode one. I thought you were just going to say season two. <laughs> on to season three. <laughs> so our next episode is called, um, ep- well, it's episode two. It's called Ted and Tammy or Ted remarries. We've seen so two weird. names. Yeah. It's very odd. Um, as always, we love folks to follow along with us and engage. We're on Instagram at Sweet Tea and TV and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Um, you can email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And on our website, you can find um, a summary of every one of our podcast episodes along with some resources that we used along the way. Um, so we're at www.sweetteatv.com. And hang tight for extra sugar. What you got this week? This week, we're going to be talking about 1987. So hold on to your britches or something, and we'll see you around the bend. Bye. And welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. So, as Nikki told you, nope, I told you, we're going to be talking today about 1987. Uh, we've been in 1987 for a minute now, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about 1987 today just to sort of like, you know, get us in the mind frame 
mm-hmm. of this year as we continue to live in it for the next however long for season two. So 22-ish episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, step back in time with us, if you will. And I, I wanted to just really, just real quickly, like, go over some basics. You know, the prices are different. That's really what you need to know. The dollar doesn't <laughs> go as far today as it did then. That's okay. what you need to know. Although I'm waiting for like like my grandparents or something, any of them to be like, you don't know how high the gas prices were. This was the crisis of, I don't know. Anyways, that's also not what my grandparents sound like, but it's okay. So average cost of a new house, $92,000. So if you're looking at the market today, I mean, that sounds real good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's not a good time to buy a house, guys. Yeah, like half a million dollars for a, like, family-sized house right now. Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. Um, I Zillow a lot. I'm very familiar with the price of real estate in our area. Just, I think most, you know, I'm like, hmm, we've talked about, you know, is it time to move, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, "Mm, nope, just going to. Hold out another year or so. Yeah, just just enjoy it. Um, So average income per year was $24,350. Wow. Average price for a new car was about $10,300. Come on now. Something like that. So, and then a gallon of gas was 89 cents. And I'm just going to share two quick inventions just to make you feel old. In Perfect. 1987, disposable contact lenses. Were, oh. Yeah. So we're older than disposable contact lenses. Oh. Maybe one day that'll be like Betty White being older than, a, than sliced, sliced bread. bread. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Prozac is also approved. Oh, wow. It felt very fitting for 2021. Perfect. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other thing that I really just wanted to do was I found this BuzzFeed article. I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like, we don't want to spend forever talking about how much everything did and didn't cost and blah, 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 and all the historical events. Like, I want to talk about TV in 1987 Mm -hmm. because we're real surface like that. So uh, I sent you something and the BuzzFeed article is called, This is what the world looked like. In 1987, I would also like to point out that I think there's a typo in their title. Oh, <laughs> and it's a 2017 article, that's, so it's lived for quite some time. That's great. That's great. <laughs> that's what the world looked like in 1987. So I'm just, um, there were three really big movies that year. It's going to take me a while to get over that. <laughs> so just so you know, our sources are good, guys. Don't worry about it. Um, there are three really big movies in 1987, and I want to see if we have any movies that need to go on your watch list. Okay. Okay. So we have Three Men and a Baby. Seen it. That was actually the biggest movie of the year. Does that surprise you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I don't think that would happen today. You might be right. Yeah. It's not a Marvel movie. No. So I don't know. Anyways, I don't see that happening is all I'm saying. I'm trying. I'm trying to picture it, and I think you're right. And then I just want to say that this is a very weird year because let's talk about the next two biggest movies that tied, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Now, have you seen it? I don't think so. Are you familiar with the Boyle Bunny plot? Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you know anything about Fatal Attraction? Is Fatal Attraction the one with the leg crossing? No, that's Basic Instinct. Basic thing. No, then I know nothing about Fatal Attraction. <laughs> I like that the leg crossing is what you took from that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what everybody remembered was her legs crossing. (laughs) Anyways, 
Um, I've never seen the movie, so I've only ever seen the edited, like, satire version of it, which is the crossing of the leg. Sure, not sure. Not the, the other part. Right. So, okay. So, it's um, Michael Douglas. <laughs> I'm, like, getting really close to my screen. I'm like, that's all right, right? I know. That's why I was holding it up. So t- I can't. No, I don't know how you're seeing that. Then. <laughs> and then also Glenn Close. Now, I have seen Fatal Attraction. Okay. So, he's married. Uh-huh. They sleep together. Perfect. Um... <laughs> This is good. This is good. They're like, they have an affair. Mm-hmm. And then the whole point of the movie is like, he drops her like and a she's bad obsessed habit. with him. Yeah. Because she's, so it's really terrible for lots of reasons, but mainly because we turn this poor woman. And I just feel like back then it was like a cautionary tale for men. And I feel like today, like people might look at this and go like, is it perhaps Michael Douglas's fault. Mm. I'm not saying the things that happened were right. And no, you don't stalk someone's family, but maybe you also don't cheat on your partner. So, eh. anyways, the other movie that tied with that one would be Beverly Hills Cop Part Two. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I think I have. The fact that you're having to say, I think I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, actually, there is a connection to this episode. Oh. I'm thinking about it. So, I don't know if it's actually two. I think it might just be Beverly Hills Cop singular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the guy who plays Eldon plays a bad guy in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Look at us with the full circling full again. Circle, man. Yeah. 1987 uh, was a big year for him. He got to play a shiftless bum. And, oh, no, you said it was the original one. It might be the original. Oh, darn. Nobody wants to hear me go through all of that, but. Fine, fine. uh, So then there were some really big teen movies, so let's do some checking in on that. Okay. Have you seen Can't Buy Me Love? I have. Okay. On VH1. Oh, okay. They used to play it after school a lot. Well, the platform, whatever platform is fine. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And have you seen The Lost Boys? I have not. Lost Boys is really good. It's, is it a drama? But would you really think it's good in 2021? Probably not. I mean, it's a movie about vampires. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like Twilight before there was Twilight. Yep. I feel like I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah. I mean, like Kiefer Sutherland's playing like a teenager in it. Mm-hmm. So it's all very, I don't know. All right. And then some kind of wonderful. Absolutely. Okay. 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 Good, good. good. Absolutely. That's a good all movie. Right. If you guys don't know, that's more of like a romantic movie. It is not a rom-com. Dra- uh, what? Drum. A romandaromanity. <laughs> <laughs> How do you put a romantic? A rom-drum. A r- is that a thing? It is now. A drum-rom. Rom-drum. Yeah, I like that better. Drum. Rom-drum. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I'm sure it's a thing. I'm not clever. I wanted to talk about we're not going to go through every one of these guys because there's a lot of them, but we do need to take a stop at the big teen heartthrobs. Oh, please do. For 87. Okay. Please do. Because I've got a question on this one. So we have Michael J. Fox. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cameron. Mm-hmm. Okay. River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bruce Willis mm-hmm. for teen heartthrobs. How old was Bruce Willis in 1987? I did look actually okay. because I was like, Ugh. What? Anyways, he was 32. That feels weird, right? That does feel weird. I'm trying to think because, so we were having this conversation recently about that show, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The um, super hot guy, and I'm forgetting his name right now. Who's 40? He's 
29. I would think so. So if you have a character like that playing a teenager, then a 29 year that's that's how a 32 year old becomes a teen heartthrob. Yeah. So I don't I, know what Bruce Willis was up to in 87. That's a that's a very that's an attractive man. I'm glad I you know, I uh who is on that show now. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's an attractive guy. He obviously doesn't look 40, but I definitely when I saw that I was like, he's not 16 or however old they're supposed to be in that show yeah. you can just tell yeah um man they really 90210 that one didn't they i'm looking at these covers though in this article and i'm seeing bon jovi on both covers um i suspect he was not 17 18 at the time tom cruise i'm also seeing tom cruise mm-hmm. maybe 1987 was a weird year i mean i think yeah that like all years are weird. I can say though, with full certainty, I get the Michael J. Fox and I get the Kirk Cameron. Um, River Phoenix, I'm not super familiar. Like I know everything he did, but I just like he's never been a touchstone for me. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Cameron and Michael J. Fox definitely are. And we watched um, that that show we talked about several weeks ago that's like a behind the scenes of movies on Netflix and Mm -hmm. one of them was Back to the Future and I was just looking at Michael J. Fox thinking I bet the girls loved him because he's adorable and he looks super wholesome charismatic oh so cute yeah um I just I just love him anyway um maybe River Phoenix wasn't a touch point for you because he did pass but in like 93 maybe right 92 95 yeah yeah I don't know. I, I think there are a lot of people our age, though, that feel very connected to River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I just never felt that. I yeah. think it's tragic, obviously. And sure. I, I know the story, but um, I don't feel a, a huge connection to him. But I'm sure he's adorable. Um, sure. So, I, now <laughs> I it feels know. like the other way. Oh. Like, I don't want to talk about teen boys. You know what I'm saying? But see, I don't he feel may have weird not about been. it. He may have been like 20 or something. I oh, because we weird were young. I would have been too. Right. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Totally justified. What a hot 12-year-old then. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, So skipping on down to number six, just because I see that some of your ladies are there. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about top 10 most watched TV shows in 1987. Uh, Guys, I'm sorry to say that Designing Women is not among the top 10. Not according to this article. No. Um, But we do have Cheers, and we have Growing Pains, and we have... The girls. The golden ones. The golden girls. Yes, you know, uh, <laughs> the other female cast. You know. <laughs> that other one. Yeah. If you got, if there's going to be two female, just pick one. And, and it's going to be the Golden Girls you should pick, according to the critics. That's right. Um, and then we also have uh, the debut of Full House. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that one specifically mainly because kids love that show now. Which I just think is so interesting. And Do here they in the last several years. Full House or Fuller House? I They love Full House, which, well, because it was on um, streaming platforms. I don't know if it was specifically on Netflix. Um, but that's what wound up making Fuller House come back. Doesn't it feel 1987 for Full House to have premiered feels very early? Again, yeah, I would have maybe. only been two. Although it should track because we're about the same age as Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I think some of these, like, I had that feeling looking through a lot of these things because I don't remember things from when I was two. Right. But I have very vivid memories of watching Full House, but that's because it was in reruns. Yes. I've seen almost all of them. Yeah. So I, I think that was a lot of that. Now, so here's something that says that... Um, 
the Muppet Babies make it into Happy Meals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was apparently a big thing in 1987. My question for you is just, were you a Muppet Babies fan? Yes. Okay, so you mm-hmm. watched the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. I just needed to say that. Muppet um, Babies. We don't get an actual premiere of The Simpsons as its own standalone series, but it is. it first premieres on the Tracy Ullman show that year. And just to say... That is still on the air. Yep. So that is nuts. I mean, I think they've broken every, every record yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Aretha Franklin was the first woman inducted into the Rock and, uh, rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 87. Mm. First woman. Yeah. 87. I feel like I probably should have looked up when the Rock and Roll Hall of that Fame was the started. That was going I'm my waiting head. for it to be like 82. Well, you're over there. Google it. <laughs> um... And uh, I also have my own personal thing that I'm very excited about because it says that gym dolls were very popular that year in addition to micro machines, which I have very vivid memory of those commercials. 1983 was when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was established. See, this is why context is important. Come on, BuzzFeed. You're missing a word in your title. So you just just covered gym dolls. Um, Can we talk about pogo balls? How dangerous do those look? So I had a different reaction when I saw the pogo balls. Okay. I went, God, that looked fun. Oh my God. It's like this ball surrounded by a platform and it's literally just the ball and a platform and you're supposed to just jump on that. I don't know one, how you balance. What an incredible feat of core strength. Um, But yeah, it's like moon shoes. Do you remember those? Yes. I had a pair. Oh. Uh, Yeah. I'm surprised my ankles work because that is like rolled ankle century. I don't... or. Rolled ankle. I don't know. It's where you roll your ankles. It seems like that's exactly where it would happen. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think all toys were more dangerous then. That's true. <laughs> Micro machines. What a choking hazard. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, over here to our left, we have a mother. <laughs> and you look at everything as a death trap. <laughs> So the only other thing that really, really, really caught my attention on this one was Red Bull debuted oh. Oh, in, in Austria. In Austria, okay. So I it clears up something, but also I'm like confused about another point. But like, what it clears up is why the commercials are so weird. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. just saying, I doubt that Austrian sense of humor is the same as American sense of humor. So I'm trying to say it's just okay. different. It's the way that like some people don't understand British humor. My question yeah. is like, did it take Red Bull just a really long time to make it through the FDA? Uh, maybe. Because I'm going to tell you, I've never been a big Red Bull fan. It's disgusting. Um, rock stars, though, when <sighs> mm-hmm. I was in college, I got into rock stars and I literally would drink like five a day. And I'm not joking you when I say I graduated college and moved home. I detoxed from rock stars for about two weeks. I would literally shake during the day. I had an energy drink phase. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to tell you right now, Nikki Mace, there was an energy drink called cocaine. Oh, I feel like I remember remember that. that. I feel like I do remember that. How did that get through FDA? This is what I'm saying. It burnt my throat. This is what I'm saying. It was like gasoline. We're usually we're usually pretty particular about stuff like that here in the U.S. Eh. A little loosey goosey. Eh. 
<laughs> yes and no. I think a couple, don't they say that if white sugar went through today, it wouldn't pass? Oh. I'm going to go ahead and say that, guys, do fact check me on that, because that is something I think I was told and never looked up, so for whatever that's worth. Um, but yeah, so I was actually, yeah, that was the other thing that struck me. We kind of went at it from two different ways, but I was definitely like, Rebel, why did it take you so long to get here? Right. Because I think of it as like a, around college age thing. Yeah. That like when it got here, everybody went crazy over it. Yeah. Like, um, also the flavored ones, the original one is just sugar water. Yeah. Okay. Let's like just call that. it what it is. But they do have other flavors that mm. are, are better, but I'm just like, I want coffee and I want my coffee hot. So I've just had such a thing with Rockstar that energy drinks in general scare me. So I usually don't. Coffee doesn't count. Coffee's not an energy drink. Are we going to talk about Dirty Dancing? I just got to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm still scrolling your list. And I wasn't, but when you said that a second ago, I thought you were, you were wrapping up. It probably sounded like it. I was, and maybe I was. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I hadn't gotten to Dirty Dancing yet. And so I, di- I didn't want to talk about, like, some of the other things I was seeing in between. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We'll post the article. You can spend as much time as you want with it. So, yeah, so Dirty Dancing was released in 87. It becomes an unexpected hit. Mm-hmm. I think in our final finale, we suggested that you go watch the Netflix series, The Movies That Made Us. Mm-hmm. Nikki's like, who are you? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, they talk about Dirty Dancing in that. And if you are a Dirty Dancing fan or not, it is just very interesting how they made that movie. And it shouldn't have been a hit, but it was. I loved it. It's so good. I've seen it one trillion times. Fun fact. I got that on VHS probably as a five-year-old mm-hmm. for Christmas from my very unassuming grandmother. I never would have guessed she would have sent me Dirty Dancing, but she did. Um, so that movie has been part of my life since I was about five or six. Sure. It is. It's not super inappropriate. There are a couple, like the whole abortion storyline, I think could be a little intense, but it's it's worded. So it's like coded. You kind mm-hmm. of have to know what's going on to understand what's happening. So I think a five or six year old probably could watch it. Definitely in the 80s, early 90s. We got away with a lot. But it was just so odd. My grandmother sent me that. Yeah. Karen. No, I get that. Well, I mean, like I said, I went and saw a pretty woman with my aunt when I was five. Perfect. You know, and I also watched Dirty Dancing. I don't know how little I was, but I know I was little. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, we got to give a shout out to two really big cartoons that premiered that year. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first one. I don't want to hear about all this redo stuff. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, Because let me tell you why, Nikki Mays. Why's that? Turtle in a half shell. Turtle power. You got it. And DuckTales. Um, only the best theme music ever. Of all, my kids love that theme song because we have been going back on, I think it's on Disney Plus, but I could be getting my platforms wrong, but it came. It is on Disney Plus. So we've been watching it with them and Mm -hmm. they love the song too. Yeah. It's an awesome. It is. Awesome theme song. So it deserves to be celebrated. Well, that's 87, kind of. Sounds like it was a good year. That's 87 in a turtle shell. That's 87 according to BuzzFeed. That's right. And they're typos. So trust that. (laughs) Trust us. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for this edition of Extra Sugar.